0: Hey, good morning, all. Welcome to the Common Good Podcast, uh, February seventh, two thousand twenty-three edition. That makes it a Tuesday, where we're going to talk about politics, and um, it's also State of the Union Day uh, <laughs> around here. Which I'll tell you, Robin, Dan, I felt like, is it State of the Union time already? And then I realized, well, because it was just eleven months ago when the last State of the Union was done. The last one was done in March, and I thought, boy, that did seem a little, a little soon. So what has changed in 11 Uh, months and one week? really,
1: really don't want your State of the Union addresses that close together. No, no, no. 11 months together. (laughs) Like 11 months is just too close.
0: Not enough. Not enough. Yeah, yeah. And I I understand that there was a point in which Congress wanted the President of the United States to come and tell the people who were representing the states uh, and the districts around the country how's the rest of the country doing? Like what's the state of the whole union? I know where I am because communication was yeah. difficult. Travel was difficult. Yeah. Understanding what was happening in another part of the varied colonies, quite a task. Now, yeah. what yeah. are we doing asking the president for a state of the union? And then it turns into <laughs> the state of your administration and how you're doing. So I, I, we'll talk more about Joe tonight and we'll actually watch it together. So if people want to watch it with us, uh, tune right back into wherever you're watching this and you can watch it with us tonight. When we uh, when we engage in uh, a little, you know, uh, to those people who are old enough to remember such a thing, Muppet TV show like commentary, Statler
1: and Waldorf, (laughs) they have names. Name them. Uh, Statler and Waldorf. I I think you should do more of a
2: a mystery science theater three thousand thing, where it's just your silhouettes in front of. The State of the Union address. I think that'd be like we fun. Just, we just turn around, put the cameras behind
0: us <laughs> in the back of our heads, like we're watching it. We're just leaning over, talking to each other like that. Anyway, we'll be doing that tonight. Um, uh, but hey, Doug Paget here in Minneapolis, uh, looking outside, a clear blue sky. I'll tell you, if there was a spy balloon above my house, I could see it today. It's that clear. <laughs> it's that clear of a day. It's not just a clear blue morning. It's a spy satellite clear morning. Then I could see it, but there, there's nothing out there. How how's the sky looking there uh, outside of Fayetteville, Arkansas? Uh,
1: it's a it's a bit overcast today.
0: We 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 went through
1: snow and then ice, and then this weekend it was sixty degrees and sunny and uh, absolutely gorgeous. Went for my wife oh. and I went for a walk on Sunday. Walked for about three and a half miles, and
2: hold uh, for applause. Fight.
1: yeah uh no i no because i i don't know if i got a high ankle sprain or i'm having a gout flare up in my ankle or i don't know but man i am in i have been in tremendous ankle pain for the last day and uh yeah so you know it's better when the skies are overcast it keeps me from thinking that i can go for a long walk and Oh, you
0: can. Hey, a uh, little, little advice to somebody who's had <laughs> oh, lots of ankle yeah, here pee. we go. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, put your foot up on a table or throw it over your other leg and spell the alphabet in lowercase and capital letters with your ankle. Mm. All that kind of movement, gentle, just real slow movement, helps a ton after this kind of thing where you've overused that ankle. Starts pooling up the fluid in a few yeah. Move it consistently for forty-five seconds, a minute, two minutes, and about the time to spell the alphabet uh, in capitals All and right. small. So it, if anybody sees day, anybody really who's helped.
1: watching live sees me grimacing, it's uh, it's just it, it might be something Doug said or it might be yep. uh, it might be my ankle hurting.
0: All right, so little age alert. <laughs> I will also be grimacing, and I was going to bring up grimacing if you see me grimacing because as a middle-aged man, I was playing pickleball yesterday. as one does as one does and uh, I've been playing uh, fairly recently over the last few weeks and uh, it always doubles in an open play so you go to the place where we play there's six courts um, you put your rackets down and whatever four people are together you play with them so different people every single time I've probably played 15 games 16 games maybe I have won one The Mm. team I've been on has won one. So there's no single common denominator. And I honestly, I look around and I'm like, How are these people beating me? I mean, regular. (laughs) I I know go back just to get a whoop, just to be like, oh yeah, no, no, you're going to just, you're just going to lose. And I don't really care. I'm not competitive like that anymore in my life. So I don't really care. But it's just like, wow, uh, one team loses every time and it's the team I'm on. And the other team went, I pulled my, Calf muscle yesterday. I tweaked it a week ago, and I pulled it yesterday so bad chasing a ball, lunging, you know, sprinting for a ball. I couldn't walk off the court. Oh, no. It hurts so bad. I mean, I had to stand. <laughs> they, they bring 20- a card out for you. No, I, I'll tell you what if you're in trouble, don't wait for pickleball people to come save you. I mean, I'm playing with three strangers and I pull this thing so bad and I'm just standing shaking and quivering pain trying to hop and I can barely hop because the, the hopping motion, just shaking my leg as I hold it in the air hurts. Oh, gosh. And I said, okay, I'm I'm out. I got to get another guy. and And so I have to stand there for a minute, right? And just catch my breath and try not to wince with tears rolling down my face. And the person who's my partner, says because I'm not getting off the court very fast.
2: <laughs>
0: goes, should we wait for you then? Or and I'm like, unbelievable. I no, I said, no, no, just get bring somebody else out. I, I'll hobble over.
2: I'm I an mean, thank you. Limping
0: and hobbling in grimacing pain from the far end of this place over through the crowd <laughs> to my bag. Sit down. It takes me 15 minutes to like, you know, get my shoes off. I'm in such pain. Not a person. Wow. Uh, Ro- Roseanne comes up and goes, well, how you doing, Doug? And I said, "Well, I pulled my calf muscle. And it really, she goes, Do you do that out there? And I said, yeah. She goes, oh, and walks away. I mean, zero. So I'm like, wow. okay, these, these pickleballers, they might, they might look like they're just friendly people having a little paddle. Oh no, no, <laughs> the they are ruthless. Uh, and, uh, so I too am grimacing Gr- yeah. right now, literally right this moment. I feel pain in my calf that, that hurts yeah, and you um, have pain in your yeah. ankle. I, I do. I, to the point that
1: I, I even while you were telling this pickleball story that I found in rapturing, I have thought about <laughs> just saying, I'm out today. <laughs> yes, <laughs> good, it starts, you're pain. hurts so bad just sitting here. Dan, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing Yo, all right. Your pain? I, well, uh, in my Gosh. right forearm, I've been oh. playing a lot of racquetball and pickleball. Uh, I'm in a racquetball league. What? Yeah. What? Okay, okay, hold on. You know, normally it's another I don't lifetime sport. Year.
0: I don't normally say, you know, Feb- uh, today's February 7th, 2023. I'm glad I did today. Somebody could be listening to this and think, oh, it's 1983. <laughs> Dan is playing racquetball. Yeah. I didn't know there were racquetball courts anywhere. Oh, That's yeah. fantastic. How throwback is
2: that? It's pretty fun. I mean, it's, I get destroyed every single time I'm in this league. My mom is in charge of it. And so she kind of wrote me into it.
1: <laughs> didn't okay, know where that okay, was okay. headed. And, like, uh, your mom is beating you at racquetball? Oh games? no, she
2: is. Yeah. She's very good. <laughs> and it's all these other like retired people just destroying me in racquetball. They barely have to move, you know, like, yes. and I'm just running and sweating and dying. Are are they
0: also pickleballers? Like are they like racquetballs now the more intense version of pickleball? Yeah, or most is
2: it? most people are also doing doing the pickleball. Oh. So yeah. man, they're good too. These I mean, it's just it's
0: really getting in my head just how <laughs> 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 then yeah. I'm hobbling off in debilitating yeah. pain. Well, hey, glad you're with us before uh, you know, this whole thing just falls apart from you know, yep. sheer sheer anguish. Um, and And probably just stomach rot from the advil that is being consumed. I don't know about the two of you, but I'm consuming <laughs> it at a high level. And I guess as long as we're going down this road, uh, unless I change my mind tomorrow morning, I'm gonna have a laser shot in my eye. Just carve away the the outer layers of my eye with a laser. You know it's just called you know vision correction surgery, but don't don't fool yourself. It's lasers in my eye, and uh that's supposed to fun. cause. Great amounts of pain because it's, it's the non-LASIK kind. So you're supposed to come home grimacing. They've told me to cancel all work activities for three days. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> like, what? <laughs> what are you going to do that I can't do any work for three days? They're like, look, you just need to lay around. So can't watch TV, shut. yeah. And I'm only having it done in one eye.
2: Oh, you right should eye. be
0: able to wear an eye patch or something and get some stuff That's done. what I said. Yeah, um, because I'm doing this monovision thing, so you don't have to have reading glasses, or whatever. And I can not i can only close my left eye. Like, I can't wink both eyes. I can't close my right eye, um, for whatever reason, you know, like muscle coordination-wise. So to close my eyes, my right eye, where I'm going to have the surgery done, I have to close both eyes, which is very inconvenient. They said, no, you just have to close the one eye that we're doing the surgery <laughs> on. You're like, no, no can't really do it. Can't I, can't I
2: can't I can't do it. Uh, well, yeah, speaking right of here. spying things old, with old your little people. eye, <laughs> okay,
1: uh, <laughs> oh, that's a fantastic.
2: Now <laughs> <laughs> we we're going to talk about the state of the union. Uh, no, we're going <laughs> yeah, weather anyway. balloon. We're going Chinese spy weather balloons. Okay,
1: can we, okay, we, we need to decide right off the bat. Is this a spy balloon or is this a weather balloon? Besides oh. the fact that this picture that's up on the screen right now looks like Santa and his uh, reindeer passing in front of the moon. Besides, <laughs> <Wow>. besides that, <laughs> is this a spy balloon or is this a weather balloon?
2: What say you? I think weather balloon. Like they've got spy satellites, right? Like what advantage is gained by having a balloon? What can they see well, with a balloon that they can't see? With existing technology,
0: well, they're not telling us, right? So neither China nor the the U.S. intelligence agencies or Pentagon is wanting people to really know what what's in that load that they're flying up there—the seven seven buses long vehicle that's connected to this weather balloon, uh, which I guess it is a weather balloon, but it's maybe carrying something that's studying more than just atmosphere atmospheric pressure changes. Look, China. China's been flying these things all over. They're they're up to something, like with these little spy balloons, which is super interesting, right? Just okay. Separately from maybe they found out about our secret nuclear arsenals and whatever. I mean, I have well, zero. Yeah, they concern found Cheese about. Mountain in Montana. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna get us kicked the off. Cheese of this too?
2: detection <laughs> capabilities of these weather balloons is incredible. What so they're
1: after? They're trying to find Cheese Mountain.
2: By the way, those those who listened
0: a week ago to our uh, lovely you know Tuesday political conversation um something happened there that YouTube didn't like and they 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 gave us a strike for spreading conspiracy theories and took down our video and then have since then no, that was us
2: us giving us a time yeah out. I think that was the Mandela effect not cheese mountain week
0: was yeah. that two weeks ago yes yeah, well I'm just saying they're on to us so the spy satellites <laughs> over there um, I mean I'm all paranoid about what we should even talk about they're looking for something and as you say like Okay, who knows what it is? And truthfully, who cares, right? <laughs> I, I, this this has been my attitude about. It. And I know the GOP and the you know Mark Rube, Marco Rubio and and all these people are running around being all alarmist about it. It's like some you know creepy twelve year old peeping tom kid like okay you're looking in your windows you know our our neighbor kids would be like you know sometimes at night because you guys don't have shades that we sneak up and we look in your windows and we see you guys sitting (laughs) on the couch Uh, you know they think it's fascinating wait a minute wait a minute
1: wait a minute minute.
0: because they're little kids you know how (laughs) your
2: neighbors do that
0: you know little 12 year old like 12 year old neighborhood kids when they're running around at night and because of the layout of our house and where our family room is our windows are right at you know face level or whatever. So they'll come by and they'll just like watch us in our house, you know, because they're kids and they're just screwing around and they think it's still disconcerting. Yeah, okay. So I, I guess it's that level of disconcerting. The, the, the fact, The thing that gets me about this whole story is the Pentagon didn't know that this weather balloon with spy satellite stuff on it had come into US airspace, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't know it. They learned about it from the intelligence agencies that knew about it the same thing with the times during the trump administration when these balloons floated over the us the pentagon didn't know but the intelligence agencies know so there's a fascinating backstory to all of this mm-hmm. about Did they allow, did the intelligence agencies want to allow this balloon to float all the way across the U.S. for a whole set of reasons that would benefit the intelligence agencies? Maybe they're sending bad information to this balloon. Maybe they're decoding what's going on. There's more going on than simply we couldn't shoot it down because we thought it might land on people. Mm -hmm. Look, any of us who have flown over this country, you could drop... 17 buses out of the sky in almost anywhere over this country <laughs> 90% of the country and not come close to hitting anyone it is totally in, in, uh, impossible to consider that the sole reason was we don't want it to land on anyone I, i'm not even i'm not even talking about only in montana and idaho and wyoming and yeah. north and all the other places Everywhere in the country, you, you, pick it, you pick California, very populated state, you pick Texas, a hugely populated state, you pick Florida. So much of the entire country is void of people. There are so many times where they could have been flying in a jet right next to this thing and looked down and said, there's no one within 300 miles. So this idea, in my mind, that the singular purpose for waiting till it got over water was simply they didn't want it to land on people. I don't think that that, that holds water. I think that once they realized they had a on this thing, the, the many people in the government who care about stuff like this, pay attention to it, were like, oh, this is, this is too good to be true. This is just absolutely too good. And look, had they wanted to, you know what else they could have done? Just grabbed it, Right. They could have just come in with that big hook that they use on those on those planes where they meet in the air, you know, those, that big... And just grab the dingy thing. It's not that... It's not just puncture it and grab it and be up there with a helicopter or anything. So there's a variety of things they could have done to have taken care of this. And we're getting this very small reported out story on on what happened and the idea that, hey, we were just worried about the random person that was out in the middle of a field in the middle of nowhere, didn't want a piece of... You know, spy balloon junk falling on them. I don't know. To to me, it doesn't hold water. Do you guys think differently? Do you think there's that that, that's really the whole story? They they just didn't know how to stop it and they didn't want it to, they didn't want a crash landing on the top of a farmhouse somewhere. Have you ever crash
1: landed a balloon?
0: Never. I've been (laughs)
1: zero. uh, I have crash landed a balloon. Wow. Um, Yeah. I was in a uh, a hot air balloon that um, that's right. Oh my gosh. I forgot about this crashed uh, outside of Scranton, Mm -hmm. Pennsylvania. it's a terrifying thing coming down in a balloon. Do you think um, – so I, I just – I mean we weren't coming from nearly the altitude that this one was and we weren't shot down by a, by a, a government jet. We just ran out of gas and there was no place to land. Um, so that's – yeah, uh, so I, I feel so a you're little the, bit of you're
2: the resident balloon expert here. You've well, done. I feel
1: I, I feel a little of, <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. of like a like a companionship to the uh, the, the the Chinese <laughs> spy weather balloon. Um, I don't know. I my feeling is like there's probably a lot more to this than you know we know, mm-hmm. and at the same time, all of the blustering on television by. Mm-hmm. You know, those who are trying to make this into political, both the, you know, Republicans, you know, posing for pictures with their shotguns outside, um, you know, like they're going to shoot it down in the performative joke to to those responding saying, well, there were three of them that flew over when Trump was president. Like, you know, all of it, like the trying to score political points off of this is feels really ridiculous to me and like this is not everything has to be political and the chinese balloon flying over the country doesn't shouldn't be a political thing it shouldn't be a partisan thing mm-hmm. um, and uh and i you know and i i hope i would have thought the same thing when trump was president but i mean i imagine i would have just you know made a lot of fun of him for it but
2: um, I also suspect that had the public not become aware of it and seen it literally yeah, totally. they wouldn't have shot it down. They would have uh, had some conversations with China, hey, yep. don't do this and yes. it wouldn't have been a thing. Yeah. Or shot I mean, it down and never said never said a word about it,
0: right? <laughs> they yeah. Uh, yeah. or done done whatever it is that they do that they do with these things. You, you know, the, the Pentagon and others keep a, keep a list of basically UFOs. They use another word for it, but these unidentified objects in the sky, and there's a lot of them, right? So we've, they've been releasing more of that more publicly. They used to keep a lot of those sightings and details under, under wraps. Yeah. What's becoming more evident to a lot of people is there are many things that countries are flying over each other's airspaces, like, there's small weaponry or small uh, uh, satellites and drones and balloons and all these things that are up there in the sky that people are seeing. And when they're questioned about it, they're like, we don't talk about that. And I don't think it's because they're from other planets. I think it's because they're from our our country and other countries. Yeah. Yeah. So there's an entire industry, an entire sector that's built around this kind of stuff, and this little one illustration, I think, mm-hmm. captures our imagination because we're pretty sure. Oh yeah, no, this is the kind of thing that's uh, that's going on, and often I think they try to keep control of it in certain areas and certain places. I don't know how or why this one drifted out of out of airspace, or if it did. I heard a commentator say yesterday who was a very reasonable person. And he said, look, this was sent as a rogue operation by people inside of the Chinese military who don't want U.S. relations to be strong. And because Blinken was coming to China, they used it to try to disrupt that visit. So it was, this is his view from what he says he knows. It was internal arguments inside of China about the Blinken visit, and this was used as a prod to accomplish their goal, which was to get that thing canceled. So there could be a whole lot of other things that have nothing to do with looking at... Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, listen, it, tight, was, uh, it, was on on it was fun being on YouTube.
1: things. It's fun being on YouTube. We're about to get kicked off for a conspiracy sure. theory. That's really something... I've, I've, I've also heard the opposite
2: of that, though, Doug, that there's there's no evidence to suggest that um, there's any dissent within the ranks of the Chinese government. They run such a tight ship that there's no you know, such that suggestion was made. Like, is this a rogue operation? And They're like, that would be really unlikely because people are really, uh, really yeah. in line with uh, with what's yeah. going on. Yeah, so.
1: and and before we before we leave the the conversation about the Chinese balloon, which frankly I would love to leave this conversation anytime. Um, I'm I'm sorry, I suggested we talk talk about it, actually.
0: Yeah, 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 you got real ankle ankle fighting going on. Yeah. um,
1: I I just want to point out um, that Michelle jumped into the chat and uh, and just totally smacked you down, Doug. So you are you are wildly inaccurate in your theory that there are so many places that this could have been dropped over land. It's way above the height that an aircraft could have scooped it up and a helicopter? Dude,
0: not even close. Please do (laughs) those are all true. Every single one of those things are true. <laughs> oh, one
1: love it. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you. I'll just
0: invite you to fly at 40,000 feet in an aircraft sometime. This thing was at 60,000 feet. Glad to have you fly at an airplane and look down when you're flying from Seattle <laughs> to North Carolina and tell me what you see over the land of the United States. <laughs> empty, <laughs> empty.
2: But I think the point is, you're not flying a everywhere. helicopter at 65,000 feet with a yeah. big hook on it <laughs> you are yeah, flying
1: I'm the guy holding the like,
2: Come on, no it. okay
0: oh, just poke yes. a okay. couple all right We've poke a couple holes in no, it no, no no hang on no, let, no, let me just this thought. Do, do you know that airplanes meet in the sky and fuel one another yes do you know yep. that when an airplane is on autopilot another airplane can catch that airplane do you know yeah, that they're flying very fast
2: thing? and a balloon is not flying very fast
0: the whole point is not so how are they going to zip
2: by the speed of a bullet and snag it. a Dan, Dan. <laughs> birds do it, the bees do it, birds do it, bees do it, and even the, most the Chinese aircraft in
0: America it. in in, in mm-hmm. the U.S. or in uh, world history. Do oh, you? There are you so a- many ways they could have done do dealt you- with this balloon, short of only shooting a rocket at it.
1: <laughs> Doug, you live in Minneapolis, where they have a dome stadium where uh, the Vikings play uh, football. do Do they have an indoor blimp at uh, at a, at their stadium? Have you been to you know a sporting event or something where there's like a small
2: yeah cute indoor blimp.
1: blimp floating around mm-hmm. i I think, I think if Joe Biden really wants to capture the imagination of the American public there needs to be a Chinese spy balloon floating around in the Capitol building tonight while he gives his State of the Union address. <laughs> and he
2: should shoot it down personally. And he should shoot it down personally.
0: like one of
1: those water cannons. One of those t-shirt
2: throwers yeah, th- that they use.
1: Yeah, that, wouldn't that be amazing?
2: I, was, yeah, I, I thought you were going to say they should have one at the Super Bowl flying around.
1: No, State That's, of the Union.
2: No. tonight. Uh, hey, yeah, at, we, at, we, at we don't want of, politics
1: involved in, in yeah. our sports.
2: Speaking of uh, the way things are going in the U.S., the state of things yeah. in this union. I was
1: setting us up to talk about the state of the union. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we could. We can go
1: either way. No, 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 Dan. Go ahead.
2: <laughs> well, one of the things they do talk about the state well, of the we'll union get there. Is how are yeah. the people are feeling. So here we go. Because Biden, in his state of the union, which we'll get to momentarily, is going to talk about you know How people feel. Try to make them feel better about the way things are going. Because uh, a Gallup poll just came out uh, about American satisfaction with the way things are going in the U.S., which is a little bit vague, um, <laughs> but most Americans think uh, things are not going all that well according to this recent Gallup poll. Yeah,
0: this this whole question about uh, what we have been asking for a long time in the United States, and we have a graph up here on the screen for those on the video side, that goes back to 1980, where it was like below 20% of people who thought things were satisfied with the way things are going in the United States. It rarely is above 50%. When it is, it's during a time of war, and the rest of that time, it's closer to 40% overall, and we'll show something that shows the difference in the, uh, the political, if, you're, if the party that you vote for politically is in the White House, it changes, it changes things. The, whether or not this is a reasonable question, I guess we can set aside, I think it's not. I, I think if you say to people, generally speaking, how are things going in the country or in the United States?
1: Yeah.
0: On what possible basis do you, does somebody answer that question? Right, uh, yeah. good for me, not good for others. You know what it shows, though. Overall, if you look at these numbers across the board, and you look at like either these graphs that we're looking at here, or just the a table of numbers where it's eighty percent dissatisfied, sixty percent dissatisfied, fifty percent dissatisfied. The American people, for decades upon decades, are dissatisfied people don't like the way things are and if you're if you're not in align yourself in one of the two major political parties then you're always below 40% in the polling independents rarely pop above 40% of satisfied with the way things are going in the country right track wrong track you know for some reason we're like talking trains or little kid race cars but we're on tracks apparently, the direction we're going. It's such an oddly framed question. And what it shows is that to the answer of that question, yeah, people think things aren't so great. It's really curious to me that asking your average American person, how do you think things are going in the country? The greatest country in the world, all the other things we say about the United States of America, most of which I think are true, it's a unique place. People are like, yeah, not so good, not so great. Yeah that's I something think, in and of itself separate from all the political nonsense that is really the the root of all this.
1: Yeah, I think so much of this is dependent on on two things. One is is my team winning um as you can see by this graph here that when you know Republican when we have a Republican president um Republicans think the country's doing okay and when we have a Democratic president Democrats think the country's doing okay. Uh, by and large, and so that shift, you know, is is pretty dramatic. So it's, I think, that's one factor. I think the other factor is, you know, what in the what is happening, and anything that takes place in the news can be volatile enough to shift people's opinions. Dan, if you wanted to jump back to the. Uh, um, Yes, this graph. What what I find interesting about this graph is you see describe, that there,
0: Describe it for you for the people who yeah, are only so, listening.
1: Yeah, so people are listening. The question is now, generally speaking, would you say that things in the country are going in the right direction or have pretty seriously gotten off on the wrong track? And there is uh, a, a top line that is red, which is the wrong track. And uh, it is, you know, almost all, like I'm maybe always the majority in- uh, in this graph, typically above 60%, people saying that we're on the wrong track. Um, and, you know, okay, very occasionally dipping below that. But you see that in January 2021, there's some pretty dramatic movement on this graph where it shoots up above 80% of people saying we're on the wrong track. Um, when you look at this poll the day that that those numbers were taken were in the days immediately following the january sixth insurrection so people are are watching what's happening on tv and going oh no we're on the wrong track and then you see right after that a a precipitous drop where it gets to 50 50 uh, within i mean it's just like a straight line down it gets 50 50 mm-hmm. and that as it turns out is the time that that president biden was inaugurated so you've got these shifts that happen based on the news you know like you, I, I think we could probably go through this graph and look at each of these days where there's big jumps and in the day or two before it there was probably some kind of major news story that you know got people's attention and shook them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So i think this is like this is like a how are you doing today? How you feeling today? You know, right. this is, you know, you, Doug, you asked me about the weather here in Arkansas. And the first thing I talked about was how bad my ankle hurts. You know, like there's a, there's just like a, a way that people respond to like, right. oh, you know.
0: Well, it was least, a nice day, but I got hurt. So yeah. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, if, like, and I don't if you want another the-
1: blue sky because I, you
0: know and and the that same graph i'm looking at it on a on a column chart that gives numbers and on between january 4th and january 15th of 2021 insurrection week the dissatisfaction level went to 88% mm-hmm. 88% 11% of people that week said things are are good may 3rd through 18th of people said we're on the right track. So this tracky business like moves within weeks and months dramatically, but rarely, truly rarely in the history of keeping track of these things, does it get above 50% of people who are satisfied with where things are like, you know, when the time was that it was 70% on the right track, December, 2001, December 6th through the 9th, 2001. What Mm -hmm. had happened three months earlier? Terrorist attacks in the United States. What happened in December? Invasion of Iraq. So when did we hit 70% of the people saying now things are going our way when we're in war? So these kinds, so when people say things like presidents can't win when it's like this, or you can't be running, or how do the American people feel? I don't think it's data and information that's super helpful to your average person to uh, say, oh, that tells me something about the political wins or the future, or even the accumulation of sort of how things are going in this country. But it's because it's data, because it's a graph, because it's a question. Th- it's very attractive to us to be able to say, uh, uh, um, "This is something we can at least put our fingers on." And politics and just culture as a as a whole is very hard to get your head around and very hard to get your hands on. So it's it's at least something. And you know, th- there's this joke in the in the social sciences world that um, uh, the things we can count are the things that count. Yeah. Right. So if, if you can put a numerical value to it, somehow people say that's the thing that matters. And I just think we need to be careful overall about this. Same thing with polling. Who would you vote for on this day and that day? Those descriptions of people's future behavior are rarely indicative of people's actual behavior or how they feel about it when they when, when they actually do make that action of, of that they've predicted in their, in their, in their questioning. And this, of course, is going to be all about the the State of the Union. It's going to be the backdrop. and it's the th- it's the one thing in common that people feel like they can point to is a a graph that says, oh, on this particular date, um, you know, close to the State of the Union, we think things are pretty good. Had they done the State of the Union address in July when gas prices were super high? Well, that would have been a bad idea. Everybody was all mm-hmm. crabby about that <laughs> uh, because things were costing a lot. And now that, you know, some of those prices are starting to inch down, or level out, people feel a little bit better. But that's not an indicator of the country, which apparently is so full that there's just no space at all. I mean, the whole whole place is just jammed up. I mean, we're we're, we're crowded here. Remember when Trump said that? There's no room, it's all full. Maybe that's what it is. People are just, they're just elbow to elbow, everywhere they go bumping into each other.
1: Yeah. So do you think Joe Biden tonight is going to be able to convince people that uh, they should be
0: satisfied with the state of the union? He will, what I hope he does, which is what I hope every president does at these meetings, will simply lean in to being an empathetic leader. Hey, we know people are feeling like, just talk normal about stuff. Just say, we've done a lot and so much of the th- of the of the projects that we've launched the money we've spent the initiatives we've started we know that to mo- most of you most of you 350 million people in the country it didn't make a huge difference for you day to day hour to hour i get it the chips act fantastic spending a bunch of money on building roads totally crucial and important trying to help people with their child care costs, immeasurable in its beauty and impact. Most people, 80% on some of those things, 50% on, on others of those things will have zero impact there won't be a bridge or road that changes your life. There's no factory going in near you that's gonna produce silicon chips in the US. There's no childcare credit that uh, aligns to you or your life at all. These things that are, I wish they would just say, we have a very complicated country with many different people in varied sectors of society. And many of the things we've done are the important work that we do. And truthfully, most of you don't feel like that the work that all of us in this room do changed your life. They should stop making that promise. I heard people this morning saying on news programs, Joe Biden needs to come out tonight and tell people about what he's done that's made a difference in their lives and how if they elect him again, it'll make a difference in their lives. Being a personal difference maker in the lives of individuals in the United States is a bad political promise to make because you know who doesn't believe you? everyone not because you didn't try but because they know that's not how it works yeah. right at the very best what you're going to do is what you should have done right who looks at a road building project and says well boy they went above and beyond every road <laughs> project we've ever sat in somebody said like boy they should have done this 15 years ago i'm glad they're finally getting at it right oh what's that's taken we, so long yeah. what's taken mm-hmm. so long because it's the basic stuff we should have been doing we shouldn't have been waiting so long So this idea that somehow the president and the administration is the solution bringer to human problems is, I think, the wrong attitude. I think he should say, hey, American people, we're all in this with you. We're all doing our work. Here's the work we do. We know there's work that you do. All of you are connected to people doing great, beautiful things, and we're here to celebrate all the good things that are going on in America, and we're going to get our jobs done like you all get your jobs done. I think that kind of attitude would go a long way from any president rather than, you all should be thanking me for all the you know, things that we've accomplished that other people couldn't have come. That's that's my take. Uh, We'll we'll comment on it as we go. I just think there's another way to frame all of this that obviously the political writers and the political consultants disagree on this, um, but I think it would go a long way.
1: Will there be any shenanigans tonight?
0: (laughs) Galore. You think? Shenanigans galore. Yes, I mean, you don't think... Representative Santos is not going to stand up and say, I was elected president in November of 2020. Of course he's going to to claim that. I should be giving the State of the Union address, not you or not Donald Trump. It should be me. No, I think there's going to be shenanigans galore. Someone's going to yell, you know, whether you get back to, you know, a you lie comment or Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene last year standing up and heckling. It's going to, it's going to, it'll have a professional wrestling feel at some moments in the, Mm. uh, in the midst of it.
2: Yeah. I think the conversation needs to shift from what, what has Joe Biden done for you personally to what we like to talk about is what is the government doing for the common good, for the broad swath of society? It's not the sexy things. It's not the hyper personal things like we said, but look, we got to fix the roads. We got to build the groundwork so that people can thrive so that businesses can thrive. Um, But yeah, Joe Biden's not going to come to your kitchen table and write you a check.
0: Um, They could just transfer money from the treasury into our bank (laughs) accounts like they used to do though, a few years ago and you just got a check. Yeah, they could do. But even that, like you think about that, like let's just put money in people's bank accounts. We're now a year and a half, uh, almost two years out from that, from those actions. And what do we all think? Like, Hey, we're going to get another one of those. You know, that, that was, that was good (laughs) back. It's that, what have you done for me lately? But this is a, this is a construct inside of politics overall that I think creates a, creates an air gap of expectation for people. And frustration Mm -hmm. is, is always measured by the space between expectation and reality. And there's two ways to deal with frustration. One is you change reality, really tough. The other is you moderate your expectation. Politicians continue to set up an air gap of frustration by implying that their election is going to bring about a solution to something more than what they actually have the power and the authority to do. Mm -hmm. They can't do that.
2: Yeah, let me ask you this. I feel like... You know, Republicans are like, government, get out of the way because Americans are going to pick themselves up by their own bootstraps. Democrats, you know, painted in a broad brush, are kind of saying the government is going to come fix all these things. Do you think this is a messaging problem specific to Democrats that over promising what what the government can address and what it can't and then setting itself up for failure?
1: (laughs) No. I don't think Democrats overpromise. I think, you know, if uh, if if what we've learned about modern monetary theory is true, there's a whole lot more that the government could be doing and maybe should be doing, and is not because of the constraints of oh, mm-hmm. well, we don't want to be called socialists, or <laughs> well, you know, like the the trajectory of a New Deal America that Franklin Delano Roosevelt put us on was really blunted by Ronald Reagan and the the whole idea of what government is supposed to do in the Ameri- American consciousness changed to the point that, you know, Bill Clinton, you know, was a, you know, let's balance the budget kind of, you know, like, so I think my sense is there is – the ridiculous political posturing where Republicans want to tell us the Democrats are promising the moon and like, frankly, like maybe the Democrats should be promising more and delivering more, you know, student loan relief as, you know, parenthetically, mm-hmm. you know, there's yeah, so- I- healthcare parenthetically, uh, you know, so I, my sense is, there is again the expectation and the reality that you know that uh, that Doug just talked about, and I think the expectation is that Democrats promise the moon. The reality is they don't, and depending on what side of things you're on, like there, that's where the frustration
0: lies. Hmm. Uh, I think the frustration is is not what one side says the government shouldn't do. The other side says the government should do more. I think that's true. I'm on the government should do more of the things the government should do side for sure. 100% agree the money exists it's political power, political willpower and so on. I think the disconnect is even the things that the government says it can do. Don't translate to yes. your average person as meaningful. Yeah. Here's a case in point of the people who are dissatisfied with the well-being of the country or with the healthcare situation in the United States are people who are 65 years old and older and they are on government funded health care through Medicare. So we have it or they're people that are in the military and are on government-funded <laughs> Medicare or uh, health plans. They have it, but it doesn't translate to my life is better. It th- th- this is the this is the thing. It it's not should the government do it or not do it. That's the typical argument. The issue for your average person is yes, you should do it, but the amount of difference that makes is marginal. Mm. And I'm not saying we shouldn't do it. I'm saying we should, but we yeah. shouldn't make the promise, therefore yeah. problem solved. So all yeah. the people who received the payments from for child care, you know, the, the early tax credit, and they were then their child care costs were greatly alleviated. I know many people greatly benefited from that solved one of the problems that the government can solve and we should be solving it continuously. We should be fund Just like we fund public education, we should be funding public preschool and we should be funding public post high school education for sure. But even when you do that, the people who receive that benefit, you ask them, how do you think things are going? Yeah, I don't know. It was a nice day, but I hurt my ankle or, you know, (laughs) I, I could be a member of a health club, but I pulled my calf muscle. So, it doesn't answer, it It doesn't solve the human dilemma question, which we act like it should solve. And it's, I think it's that disconnect. And if we are, yeah. if the only argument the politicians are having is the argument between how much should we do and not do, but the difference between not doing and doing doesn't impact this other thing, then we need to have another way to talk about those things, right? And a way to talk about what the government, federal government, explicitly, or state and local governments yeah. should be doing, and separate, and be adult enough to talk about those things. And maybe they need the the like the input of a therapist who will say, "Let me let me do a thought experiment with you." You're telling me, you know, in a meeting, those uh, therapy session, they'll say, "You're telling me there's a lot of things you want. Let's talk about if you get them, what's going to happen, and like go down the 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 road of you get, and then let's talk about if you don't get them, what are you going to do." That preparation and the cataclysmic or the euphoric outcomes is what a healthy person tries to alleviate, right? And that's something that politicians rarely spend any time doing, right? Talking to human beings in this country as human beings, as opposed to as political characters that you know, care about yep. a particular a particular policy. Yep. So I'm saying we should do all the social things. Yes, 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 yes. But then also know mm-hmm. when we do, there's still other work to do. And that's mm-hmm. not what Republicans say, by the way. It's, Republicans are not saying that. They're saying you basically should do almost all the things, you know, and then not feel good about them when they, when they come. And I think it's better off to have all of us do it. Yeah.
1: Pretty and sure, and Doug, he, I, all of us have been involved in trying to communicate creatively uh, in a way that connects with people. Um, Dan through music, Doug and I through, you know, preaching. Um, And there's kind of, you know, kind of set tropes and expectations of this is the way it's going to be and this is how it should go. And, and then there's the opportunity to be creative and to play with those things a little bit to communicate in a way that gets to people's hearts and really makes a difference in a, in a creative way. Um, The state of the union address is, is just frankly not going to be effective in touching people's hearts and, and, and changing perspectives in that way. It's just in the, the format itself is not good for that. And in this case, you know, the the one giving the speech, um, you know, isn't it, it just, you know, if history is any track record, is not going to be the, uh, you know, tremendously able at being a super charismatic and creative communicator. Yeah. Yeah. Let Not to depress you. everybody about uh, you know what we're going to be doing tonight watching this together but
2: well, <laughs> is this uh is this a moment where both sides of the aisle are paying attention and listening directly to the words of the president you think rather than just catching sound bites after the fact or you know post uh, commentary with Sarah Huckabee Sanders are people on the other side of the aisle mm-hmm. watching this or is it just a uh, cheerleading do you, do you, yeah, State
1: of the Union always feels like political theater to me.
0: So if you, it, let's borrow a metaphor for what's going to happen next Sunday. Two um, football teams are going to play each other in the Super Bowl. And all week long, the coaches and players are going to talk about the game. Then they're going to play the game. And a bunch of people are going to enjoy themselves. And it's going to be one of the huge cultural events worldwide, but especially in the United States. Huge cultural event that people spend a lot of time and energy around and fun with each other and it builds community and one of the cities is going to be elated and things are going to be exciting and there's going to be joy and entertainment in the world and feeling of, you know, admiration for great athleticism, all the things, right? And then there's going to be a conversation afterward with the coaches and the players about how did it go? That's what we have in the State of the Union, right? We have a conversation about it going into it. Then you're going to have the State of the Union address to describe what's happening in America and all the things. And look, there's Bono up there. And, and, you know, because if if you're going to really talk about America, you should probably invite that guy. And then we're going to have, uh, you know, somebody the First Lady has brought. And here's a success story. And we're going to feel pretty good. And we're going to talk about things. And someone should raise their hand and say, hey, back in 2002, I heard we were going to have hydrogen cars. Do we still have the hydrogen cars yet? No, but we did solve the hydrogen problem. Hey, little successes, right? We'll cheer them on. Everybody will feel good. Then there'll be some commentary afterward. Sarah Huckabee Sanders will give that tonight. And then tonight and next Monday, after the Super Bowl, people's lives go back to all the other regular stuff that they do, right? Mm -hmm. Not that the Super Bowl isn't important and good. It's just one moment in building a life, one moment in a country's great experience, one moment in entertainment and art and beauty and athleticism and all the things, and commerce, people are excited. If our politicians and if Joe Biden tonight would say, this is the what, here's the vision of the government, for us, right? Like there's things we take care of. We're going to make sure just like there's people who take care of the Super Bowl and they make sure all that stuff works and it goes off and it happens. We have to take care of our things. Some of our laws are preventing you. Some of our laws are enabling you. We're doing our bit. But after we do our bit or fail to, then it's human life and experience. And The more human Joe Biden is, when Joe Biden is the, I sat across my table, my parents died, my son died, I understand the pain, I know what government can solve and what it can't solve, I know about human resiliency, then people are like, I kind of like that guy. And in all honesty, for the people who think, do you know who people really like? Is Uncle Joe the accountant? Uncle Joe the worker hat on and I got you a bridge? Okay, what they really like is, hey, I I know the pain of people dying in a car crash, not just I know the elation of people crossing a bridge when it gets built. That human element, I swear to you, is the missing thing. And it's the thing that people I know who voted for Donald Trump and support until this day, what do they say about him? He gets me, right? That's what they say over and over and over. I don't understand it. He doesn't get me. I don't want him to get me. He can leave me alone as far as I'm concerned. But that's not how other people feel. And Rob, we've talked about this over and over with the candidates that we train and we talk to. We're like, let them see you know, like let yeah. them have a representative that's close. But instead the promise becomes you'll get, or you won't get, or we'll get out of your, and, and I don't know, rather than saying, I'm not saying they shouldn't say that stuff. I'm just saying they should say, and then when we do, we all live our lives as Americans and we're all in, and we all live this, our lives on this planet. We all live our lives as human beings. And we gotta stop the demonizing of each other. Not that we can't compete about ideas and we can't put the bad people into places where they can't harm the rest of us. For sure, we should do all that. But that's not the, I don't know. That's the thing that, that even people deep into politics want something more, right? They mm-hmm. want a human element. If President Biden can bring that tonight, and people finish it and be like, there he was. There was that yeah. guy. There's that guy I recognize. They'll like him. And yeah. then, and then you know, in six months, they'll like him more if something good happens. You know, whatever. Yeah. Um, it's it's fickle. This is, I think, overall, and this is what we mean by common good. Not just the common good of like what political thing has the most impact. That's true. Like there's an old Wesleyan saying, and if you don't know Wesleyans, these are the john charles wesley with the guys who started methodism and and they have the saying in that world that you do the most good for the most people most of the time right that's that's a pretty good standard of what you should do or not do does it is to do the most good for the most people most of the time i think there's a fourth most in there but that's essentially it for sure we should be doing that but also there's something more common there's something more human about all this than simply policies and and business reports, and in some ways, the State of the Union can come across as a business report on the business of America. And I just wish there was something. I wish, I hope he will say something more humane well, about it.
1: Yeah. Well, we're going to find out, and we'll be watching together, and uh, and and hopefully, folks will be uh, will follow along with us as we as we do that. What time is the uh, is the is the show tonight? When will we uh, kickoff is off? at
0: 9 at 9 Eastern. We're going to be on it uh, a couple minutes before. Uh, I know. I know. And then he's going oh, to talk for it what really how long? Nine
2: o'clock at night. Oh, yes. Eastern. Yeah, yeah. But that's, that's my that's time. Six, that's the, six the, six the only on the, time six that matters. on the West
0: Coast. That's afternoon in Hawaii. That's, you know. Yeah. Um yep. in the in the mountainous yeah. region, you know, you're talking yep. about, I don't know, 7. Uh yeah, uh, but you know, you you East Coasters, you East Time Zone people, you you know, because you're like news comes on at eleven, where Rob and I are in the center of the country, Central Time Zone. Our evening news yeah. comes on at ten. Yeah, great. I I'd, if I'd I never understood how news, people be could, happy about that. how people could yeah. stay up so late. Primetime television was on at you know at nine yeah. o'clock or ten o'clock on uh, the East Coast. So uh, yeah, around here, we'll, we'll be wrapping up. How long do you think you'll go? Let's give an over-under right now. How long do you think the speech is going to be? I'm going to go a little on the short side
2: and say okay. 38 minutes. Oh, wow. I think 72 minutes. Wow. Okay. Mm. I was saying wow. You've got to, you got to factor in all the pauses for applause and standing ovations. And he might only have 30 minutes of material but <laughs> time for heckling
0: time for booing <laughs> time for yeah. you lie yeah. to be shouted by a city congressman all right 38 minutes rob 72 dan i think it's gonna be 87 minutes long i think oh. he's gonna do one of these like oh. there's so much there's the so last much one that we've was pretty long, right i can't remember I, I always feel like they're like an hour and a half but it maybe i'm totally wrong ago, like, Doug. Oh. <laughs> all <right. I> <laughs> well all right so We'll, we'll we'll see you tonight if you want to uh, if you want to chat yep. along with all of us. Yep.
2: All right. See everybody soon. Okay. Bye.